Hey, welcome to Real Talk, episode 139. I'm Todd, this is AJ, and we're back. <laughs> I got nothing for that one. He I did it. That was I, awesome. I, yeah. Spin the wheel. You get what you get. That's life. <laughs> real random. This should be a part of a show that we don't want to do. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's Real Talk? You know the deal, unless you're the dealio. Unless you Gosh, are... I'm uh, so glad you said dealio. Yeah. It made me think of a I'm, song. I'm hip, man. What's the dealio, dealio? Remember that song? Yeah, I'm not sure. Who sings it? I have no idea. Anyway, real talk. What is it? <laughs> this show is a platform and opportunity for you to join us at the proverbial symbolic table as we discuss life, God, the Bible, and everything in between. That's right. We want to give you a fresh perspective from two, three, I should say, because fun turn Clint's behind the camera. That's right. Three guys who love Jesus, love people, mess up, right, screw man. up, have thoughts, have opinions, and hopefully... In the midst of all that helps you to realize that, um, man, God's big enough for you to ask questions, and being a Christian doesn't mean we don't have opinions or thoughts. So, Amen, brother. Um, some of the questions that are asked via, I guess I should say that, how do people do that? How, Todd, how do they take part in this meeting? Well, there's going to be a link somewhere in the description of this show, whether it's podcast, rumble, whatever. The link is, and it'll appear right here on this camera, real. that's R-E-A-L, dash talk. So www.theremnant.live slash real dash talk. Click the link, go all the way down to submit a question. You have to scroll down. Once you hit that, it's going to pull up a form fillable box. That means a box in which you can type. Tippity tap. Tap, type, all the above your questions into um, that little box. Hit submit, goes into our database immediately, instantaneously, and most importantly, AJ and Clint, anonymously. Couldn't find you if we tried. You can also paste links to articles that you maybe want to get our thoughts on. There you go. Because um, we do that. Real, real news, real views. And that's Boom. the gist of it. Sometimes the show, you know, most of the time we answer questions. We've been getting a lot of great questions. Keep them coming. Hey, stick around. If you don't get your question asked right away, or excuse me, answered right away, that doesn't mean we're not going to do it. We answer that's every true. question. Yes, that, that's a guarantee. So doesn't matter how delayed. And if you, for some reason, like, well, Todd, you didn't answer mine, and you say you do it, post, paste yeah, it in there again. Yeah, just post again. We're not going to be a fan. Yeah. So, now I'll be offended. I won't be offended, but I will say, hey, if you've missed some episode, you better go back. Yeah, you better watch everyone if you're expecting to have a question answered. That's true. You got Sound a responsibility, too. Nice, dude. He just dropped the camera on you. So, that's what we're doing today. We've got some good questions, and we may have, you know, if you've been a, a long-term Real Talk viewer, you know that we often refer to the infamous question number 11. One, one. We answer it probably once every three to four to six months in the hopes that whoever asks that very passive-aggressive question gets the answer that, that they so early on, dude. It really was, man. It was That was before we were doing the show, even. Yeah, that was way early. Because this, uh, this show actually came from a series, like a sermon series that was, man, we haven't done it in live in a long time at our yeah. church, in which we allowed the congregation to ask questions live and in the moment. We should do that again. Yeah, I just feel like people, it was... It was Crapshoot whether they like it. It's been a long it time it. since we've done it, so I'm sure people would appreciate it since it's been so long. Yeah, that's true. And some of the people that don't know anything about the show would probably appreciate it. Yeah, but what is this? So that's the gist of it. And uh, we have, we have, uh, I don't know. You know, I hope that the question is asked in good faith. However, we'll go into it. A couple of questions. Yeah. We we find it hard to believe that we don't uh, that this isn't referring to a specific situation. However, mm -hmm. the questions, however they were given, and whatever heart and motive are still useful for the kingdom. They are, man. And we will answer them. Amen, dude. So that's the gist of it. And uh, I said gist about 12 times, but that's it, man. We're excited. A, uh, a very famous philosopher mm -hmm. known as Bone Crusher once said, I ain't never scared. Ain't never scared. 
You know, that's the show in which we reference the Apostle Paul and uh, the philosopher Bone Crusher all in the same episode. That's right. <laughs> Fun turn, he goes, why? He's just mouthing why. I get it, man. I don't, I don't know who we are. All right, so AJ, I had a thought today that we could dive right into questions because we have a little special Topical Tuesday for you. Topical Tuesday. <laughs> If this show comes out on Tuesday. If not, <laughs> still, still, it, still, it was filmed. Um, so shall we? Let's go. Question one. Well, how are you guys doing, I guess? Overall, not this isn't our normal catch on live. Just how are you yeah. doing today? Let people know. Uh, I started off kind of anxious. Uh, I was kind of in a weird little, like, kind of depressive place. But now I'm good. I'm feeling a lot better than I was earlier. Because when you have talks with people that you love and they're willing to pour into you still, man, it just really... I don't know, man. It puts you in a different place, so I'm feeling a lot better than I was earlier, to keep it short. That is true, my friend. Yes, yeah, so that, that's been a lot. I feel a lot better. All right, cool. Well, hey, I'm glad you do. Thank I you, feel man. better, too. Started off with a little, I th yeah, same way. Yeah. Don't start off rough, came back. Fun turn, how you doing? Uh, I've had a rough few days, but <laughs> overall, it's been weird. I've been excited, too. Like, though I've been down, I've been excited and strangely optimistic when I am totally a pessimist. So it's just Jesus is working on me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, man, I think uh, I think it's that's good. Yeah. We, uh, we chose, you know, being a joy warrior, joy bringer. Choose it. I love that. People don't know what that means. Hey, stick around. You'll learn our lingo. Question one, AJ, learn if you're prepared lingo. for the day ahead. Let's do it. Well, this is interesting, I guess. Todd. Oh, that, that was a reference that I'm reading the question. <laughs> it's not Todd. Here's the question. If you, if, you could know, <laughs> if you could know one person, if you could know what one person was thinking at any point in time, hmm. and you don't have to be close to them, that's meaning not your family or Jesus, what would, who would it be and why? This person says, I would pick President Trump to find out what he truly knows is going on compared to what we are hearing. Well, we're about to get shadow banned. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but anyway. First off, I already love that question just because of the reference to, to the man you referenced. I love that. I think that's because my, my inner, uh, quote, uh, theorist of things that could happen that people don't want to believe, you know, more that, happy, that inner yeah. part of me that, uh, Speaks into that, so I love that. Um, <laughs> trying to trying to Way speak to dance and, around that. Yeah, yeah, trying to dance here. I like so to one dance. person, there, one person. You can know what they're thinking, kind of know the answer. Mm -hmm. Can't be your family or Jesus. Man, they they said this may this is probably going to seem super cliche, mm -hmm. and I'm sure anyone watching this probably doesn't believe me, but I'm going to go with you. Mm. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I guess yeah. Because, yes, you do tell me, but I know there's, there's always times where sometimes I do, they're like, what, what is he thinking? <laughs> you're like, you yeah. get in there and you're like, oh my, I can't get out. <laughs> I, can't. I can't get out. Um, fun yeah. turn? You got a thought I'll on go this? with you. No? Well, you ponder. I would say a high, you know, the president, whether, whether President Trump or the current um, White House, you know, head of our executive branch, mm -hmm. um, Either one of those guys, because you would you would know a lot that about is the, true. because here's the thing you know a lot about the world, but the thing is you could also be absolutely terrifying to know what's like to know the brink that we're on all the time. Oh man, it's probably the insane. amount of pressure those guys are under. Anyway, that's my thoughts. 
I want to know what Putin's thinking. I considered because that. Like, is he really a horrible guy, or is he like, hey, he's this decent guy? Either he is one of the most horrible like, people. <laughs> horrible people. He's like an evil genius. Yeah. He's either an evil genius who's just wow. been playing everybody. Everybody. He's literally playing everybody. Or he's just. That's crazy. He's just, yeah. Just this guy who's. Who served in the military? Now yep. he's the president. He's genuinely a nice guy. Was that like, guy in the KGB? Yeah, he was. <laughs> and then now I'm pretty man. sure he's now premier, whatever for life. They that the, the their senate. Well, the, what they say is is that the Russian people don't actually want him to leave, and I well, think sure. there is some truth to it. I, I've actually started to consider. I wonder if there's some truth that the Russian people are kind of like they're looking around and they're going, look. For better or for worse, at least we know where he stands. Is he essentially like a king? Yep. Uh, yeah. Like, Ju- July 5th of 2020, Vladimir Putin becomes Russia's president for life. Wow. He will be 84 years old when he completes the second of the two additional six-year ter- terms. So essentially, um, they were he was once constitutionally limited to two consecutive terms, and then he become, chose to become prime minister again from 2008 to 12 and was reelected in 2012 and again in 2018. Gosh, that's wild. It's yeah. Like, I just chose to be... Chose to be head, pre- head president. You know what's wild? That guy got divorced. Okay. I did not know this. While he was in office. Dang, man. That had to be kind of rough. It's just interesting. Anyway. Yeah. There it is. Okay. And they can see what happened here. If that. Uh, there's your question. There's your answer. All right. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting question. You know, it's, it's sometimes easier if you think about historically, right? Yeah. Historically mm-hmm. would be. But I don't anyway. know. That's just such a wide, broad... You're up, man. All right. Next question. Do you think in Mark 1.13 that God just kept the wild animals away from Jesus or provided an angel when the wild animals came? So the verse is, uh, he was in, this is Jesus, he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. Mm-hmm. He was with the wild animals and the angel began to serve him. Excuse me. I think essentially why it points that in there is just that he was literally in the, excuse me, he was really in the wild. <laughs> I mean, he was like, not close to civilization. He's where all the ant, like the coyotes, you know, in our mm-hmm. in our world. Not, I don't even know. I don't believe there's coyotes over there. Probably, but maybe who knows. Point is, like he's he's where the animals are. Like he's right. he's far in the wilderness. I think that's the point of what they were, the way they said that. Yeah. Um, do I think, you know, I don't know what big predators are there <laughs> that would attack a human anyway. But like, let's not make it too huge. Like right. a guy out in the wilderness, most animals aren't going to come and hunt him. Um, so, and maybe they did come, maybe, you know, but you can go out in the woods right now and the coyotes aren't going to come bother you 99% of the time. It's true, man. So as far as whether he was supernaturally protected or they stayed away, I'm not sure. But either way, I think the main point of it is just to let us know that he was deep in the wilderness. That's good. But that's, a, I like the way you're thinking. I like the fact that you're even asking those questions. Yeah. That means you're like paying attention exactly, to the wording. Yes. You're really like, you're, you're really reading so it. Good question. All right. This is a, this is a pretty deep moral one, man. Okay. Uh, question it's a tough question so as christians if someone is on death's doorstep and they have an option to be resuscitated or not is it selfish for them to choose not to even if their family wants them to live longer holy cow um i think on the surface this question can seem like it's like, oh, man, like, if you just look at the action behind the decision, but mm-hmm. to me, I it always goes back to the heart. Why are you wanting to be, or why are you not wanting to be? You know, are you wanting to not be resuscitated because, you know, 
because you don't want to live anymore, you know, or are you are you not wanting to be resuscitated because you know you don't think there's anything else to live for? It's hopeless. Like I think it's all behind the heart, you know. If if your if your heart is like, well, you know, I don't want to be resuscitated because I believe that you know whatever is supposed to happen naturally is going to happen naturally. Okay, you know, whatever. But so I think a. A lot of it is just the heart behind why you wouldn't want to. It's really deep, man. I actually think that's super deep. Yeah. Um, What's the reason why you don't want to be resuscitated? I think that's going to show you where you're at, really. And if you, and if I'm sorry, the question itself was like, are they a Christian, right? Or is it just if you are a Christian, what is the? I mean, it doesn't say that. It just says, is it wrong or oh, selfish? Gotcha. Is it, is it selfish, selfish for them to choose that? Got you. Yeah. If their family wants them to live longer. Okay. Yeah. So I would assume it's someone who signs a do not resuscitate order and their family's like, don't do that. Mm. <clears throat> yes. That. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. Cause yeah, I, I think it would be, it, I think it could be selfish depending it, on the heart. I think yeah. that is a great answer, man. I don't know the answer, you know? And, um, you know, I think it's, it's dangerous territory to say whether it's selfish because to, to call someone else, I think the question really is to ask that person, right? The only person who can really determine that is the person mm. who's doing that, um, you know? So that's that's a tough question to answer in a way. Yeah, okay, man. So I'm looking for the be, air thing. Anyway. <clears throat> I think it would be a really cool, like, discussion even to have with that person, though, to ask questions about. I think fre- frequently in just culture today in general, whether you're a Christian or you're not, we don't ask questions. I mean... You've brought this up a lot, Todd. Like, if people would just ask questions and just be honest about everything and all of this, which sucks because people will, like, we have to deal with the fact that people use things against us. But if you're being honest in that moment, like, I think that could be a really cool conversation to have with that person that has signed that because maybe they either have a reason or they just, it's just mm-hmm. something they want. And it would be a very interesting conversation to have, I feel like. Yeah, you know, and I was, I'm glad you said something that kind of sparked another thought. So I think. If this question was coming from the person who's asking yeah. whether they should be resuscitated, what a pretty humble question to ask. If the question's coming from the family member, then I have a different quote, you know, something for you to consider. A question, I guess, is be careful because you don't know what it is to be in their shoes. Yeah, that's really good, man. And so, does that make sense? So yeah. I, it's hard to, to answer. If you're the person <clears throat> asking, you know, we're in that situation where you're faced with that decision to mm-hmm. be resuscitated. Um, Boy, I, I, I think that it shows your heart that you're even asking. Absolutely. And I don't think, you know, the Bible's filled with people who want to die because this world's hard or going through situations. So it's difficult to, you know, I would pray about it. And a lot of it has to do, the Bible says in Romans, I believe, anything that's not of faith is sin. Mm. So it's, it, which is essentially what you said. What's the heart in it? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and I don't think what in a moment of suffering that, that God is going to want to torture you with the thoughts of whether you're right or wrong and to... You know, and to have that peace that transcends understanding, you know, talk to God. And if you know in your heart, this isn't about selfishness, right? Because, listen, at the end of the day, the family's always going to want that, mm. right? They don't want to. And I think if you're the family member asking, then, and this is this is the tough, I don't want to put myself in your shoes either. To You're allowed to be angry and you're allowed to be hurt. You know, yes. I, w- I would suggest not being angry at them while they're here. Yeah. Um, or even gone. But to it makes sense in your heart that you want to, scream right proverbially scream against that because it's someone you love that's right you don't want to see them go Uh, man so i you know i don't necessarily i think we need to quit looking at it in terms of selfish or not selfish and either side here i would sit down with your family members and talk about ask that question if you find yourself in that place have that discussion man have real talk that's right 
pray together, talk together, grieve together, you know, all those beautiful things, like you said, have, be real. So it's because, good. Because it goes both ways at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, it, you can see it both sides, and I think it, you'll grow a ton from it. It's mm, good, man. It's what we're called to be in, man. It's literally in the Bible. Be in community with one another. Iron mm. sharpen iron. All of those verses, Amen, dude. It, rather than taking them as just flowery words, again, one of the my f- favorite things when I first started coming to the Remnant was take off your Christianese earmuffs. And I was like, huh. And then I started to try and listen because you don't realize how much you've looked at those verses as just words on a page. Oh, yeah. Until you start to realize like, oh, no, like that's intentionally written the way it is written. That is intentionally, everything that is said is truth and reality and all of these things, it's mm-hmm. good. And when you realize that, you can take a lot of that too. So put that into practice. It's good, man. Um, you're up, buddy. All right. Next question we have here is, what does 1 Corinthians 14, 22 mean? Well, AJ. Yes. I'll read it to you. <laughs> 1422, the gist of it is. All right, so Paul here is talking about the gifts. It's in the section. Essentially, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is Apostle Paul talking about the spiritual gifts. Okay. Um, It was, what is it? I'm sorry, 1422. I'm probably going to, I'm going to actually start and read a little before and a a little after, so we're all on the same page. Okay. So in this case, he's talking about. Um, the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues, if we look in Acts chapter 2, even references when the people leave, they say they were telling us about God in our own language, which implies that the gift of tongues is the ability to speak in a language that you don't know okay. in order to tell the gospel, something like right? To be able to do that, or that yep. they can understand you, things like that. I want to say this. Chapter 14 um, starts with this sentence, and I think this is interesting because you, you can get caught up and this is about tongues all completely. Verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, and above all, that you may prophecy. So essentially he says, because of the chapter 4 is when he talks about love. I'm going to tell you the even better way. He gives all the, the, uh, the spiritual gifts. There seems to have been a preoccupation in the Corinth church with spiritual gifts. Hmm. He gives them, he talks about them, how they're all important. Then he says, I'm going to tell you an even better way. And then he talks about the gift of agape love, the godlike love that we are given through the Holy Spirit and how that is better than all of them. Because even if you had those gifts and it doesn't come from love, it would be worthless, right? Then right after that, he says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. So let's desire those gifts, desire to be able to use them for the kingdom, but chase love, not the other way around. Don't chase the spiritual gifts, chase Mm. Loving. And then he says, and even if, above all that, you may prophesy. Here's what he says. Verse 2 says, For the person who speaks in another language, that's tongues, is not speaking to men but to God since no one understands him. However, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. Now, this is interesting because a lot of the people from this denomination cling to this. But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the whole church. I wish all of you spoke in other languages. And then that's what they say about, oh, that, we should all do that. He didn't say that. He said, I wish all of you did. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. He doesn't say you all will. He says, right. but even more that you prophesied. 
The, per, her, the person who prophecies is greater than the person who speaks in languages unless he interprets so the church may be built up. And the bottom line is what he's saying is when someone stands up and speaks a word from God, right, in this sense back then, yeah. is that they're saying it to the entire congregation which affects everyone. When someone speaks in tongues, the only person who really benefits from it is the person, one, someone should be able to understand it, the interpreter, right. and the person in whose language you speak, which may not, does that make sense? Right, so it's a yeah, sign. Makes sense. <clears throat> um, so that's the first thing. So we go down to 22. Okay. Sorry, I'm pulling up uh, it on my phone too, in case in case it dies, <laughs> and so I don't lose it. Okay. Um, buy some time. So, guys, as he's looking for this, I just want to encourage you to go to www.theremnant.life/real-talk. If you have any questions, even up until this very moment in this episode, you go, you know what? I had it. That was. I'm That's curious about something. You know, go ahead and shoot that in right now. Take the time to pause right now and shoot that question in, because we want to hear from you. Our faithful viewers. Thank you. Nice, dude. Uh, I like it. Keep going. And also, as you're pausing this episode <laughs> and, and you are answering that, uh, sending in that question, why don't you take a moment and head over to our website, www.theremnant.life, where you can see what we believe, you can see what we're about, and you can also see Real Talk, what you're listening to right now. You can see it in... in uh, <laughs> video form you can also uh listen to all of our sermons that we we post them every week love it good job well you buy time um so here we go 1422 i'm gonna start at verse 20 says brothers don't be childish in your thinking but be infants in evil and adult in your thinking it is written in the law by people of other languages and by the lips of foreigners i will speak to this people and even then they will not listen to me Oof. Dang. god is saying i will even do a miracle or i will i will send people to them in their language they still won't believe it anyway he said says the lord it follows and this is 22 that mm-hmm. speaking in other languages is attended as a sign not to believers but to unbelievers but prophecy is not for unbelievers but for believers <clears throat> all right so listen i gave you the mystery there's an indication in here and people talk about this gift of tongues being a prayer language yeah it does seem to infer that someone may pray in tongues okay i want to okay. get this is going to set up the question i want to make this because this is so important for people to understand. So there's, we know this from the rest of it when he tells how there's order in church me- uh, meetings, okay? He talks mm-hmm. about how tongues should even be done in the church. Right. So when done in the church, someone stands up, speaks in tongues, someone should be able to interpret that. If not, it's not the sign. It's not, okay? Secondly, the prayer one, even the prayer, when someone prays and it benefits them, someone in the congregation should still be able to interpret that because it benefits the whole body. Hmm. So whether it's me talking to the guy from China and I speak Chinese or I'm praying... In this, and I have this gift that comes out and I'm speaking in another language, someone else should still be able to understand it. Does that make sense? Yes. Because, like, there's still an interpreter because God wants it to, to affect the whole body, mm. right? Does that make sense? Yep. Now, here's the thing. just wanted to mention that. This specific verse in 22 is very simple. It follows that speaking in other languages is tended to sign not to believers but to unbelievers. If someone that believes in Christ already, right, we've put our faith in them, yeah. it's not really going to be a sign to us that this happens. Like, mm. it doesn't really benefit us because we already believe in God. We might go, oh, my goodness, that's it's incredible. Right? That's incredible. Yeah. But, if you, but if you're not a believer in Christ and I tell you that Christ is the risen king and all of a sudden I speak it in your language, you're going to go, oh, my. Yeah. How does he do this? Imagine being a tribe in some ancient forest that no white man has ever been to, right? Right. And all of a sudden that white man speaks about this God in your language. Yeah, you're going, uh, this is real. Yeah. Or even more in America maybe, like... You know, it could be. Now, so that's what he's trying to say. He goes, listen, at the end of the day, tongues, most importantly, is a gift intended as a sign to preach the gospel to people in other 
places. Dang. He said prophecy, though, is for believers because we already believe in God, and now God is telling us mm-hmm. something about either redirection or what we should do, that kind of thing. Does that make right. sense? That makes sense. Oh, perfect that, sense. Okay, me. so that's what that means. And that's that's all he's saying. That's really good, man. Um, if you're in a church where people speak in tongues, God can certainly do that. By the way, there, there does seem to be some indication... Um, there are people out there that believe that the gifts no longer are active, like tongues, and they take. There's biblical evidence for that. I think it's in uh, thirteen, or I, I don't really not thirteen. Oh yeah, where it says languages will cease, mm-hmm. which is right there. Um, verse eight says, "Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease, but for knowledge will come to an end." Hmm. So they'll take that to mean. I took it to mean at the end we won't have a need for that anymore. Not right. that those. I believe the gifts are active. However, I do not believe we have any control over what we get, and I also don't believe. That, as we can see here, tongues has nothing to do with the depth of one's spirit, spiritual life. Absolutely not. So if you're no. in a place or a church which is pressuring and saying that everybody that speaks, everyone should speak in tongues, and when you do, you've kind of reached this next level, that's not biblical. And I will t- I encourage you, honestly, it's n- I'm not trying to be hateful, but we gotta. I will always challenge teachings, even if I don't want to call it a specific thing or person. Yeah. Go read this, this section. Chapter 14... Chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians will give you, well, it's very plain. Yep. Um, and you're trying to reference and prove something from another book. Well, remember, they got to go together. So you can't use Acts or one verse here to erase all these other verses that tell you. In That's fact, right. which makes more sense? God wouldn't do that. That this is filtered, that Acts and those are filtered through this, or you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. God, so God hopefully that makes do sense. That. Do I, and I'll let this know, do I personally believe that the gifts are sure. I, you know, I don't. I, God is God. Absolutely. But I hundred percent believe if you're in a church, a bunch of people are doing it at once. That's not biblical. It says mm-hmm. it right here, starting at verse twenty-six of First Corinthians. If you're in a church that speaks in tongues, go read First Corinthians chapter fourteen, starting at verse twenty-six, and go all the way through. Let's say thirty-seven. Um, but specifically, uh, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 26 through 33 will tell you how it should be done. Mm-hmm. If it's not done that way, there's an issue. Oh, yeah. Makes sense? I'm, it's yes, very clear. Absolutely. Makes anyway, sense. great question, though. Yeah, Hopefully man. that makes sense. So, prophecy, language is assigned to unbelievers to prove the existence, if it makes it prove the existence of God, that God mm-hmm. is who he is. Prophecy, we already believe that, so it's not as much of a, I mean, it's still cool to see, but it's not as powerful as, um, <clears throat> as, prophecy in which God is telling us something, right? Yeah, man. That makes sense? A hundred percent, dude. Actually, it's really cool. I like how you you broke down even just like the idea of how it's used for to, because you said it before, but I think the way you explained it today even like clicked with me a little more than it has before of like how it's used just for others for the gospel and that's it. Like you've said that before, but I don't know why, but the way you explained it today, it was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like It makes a clear cut difference. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thank you. Great, great question. Love the mind here, the person thinking this, thinking through it. So hopefully it helps you out. Yeah, man. Well. I believe you are up, good sir. <clears throat> Alrighty. I'm Alrighty. Hey, <laughs> lad. Trying to make sure that we... Oh, yeah, I did it like this. But... Um, go ahead, sorry. What were you saying? I was, I was good. I had something. What was it? Oh, uh... Sorry for distracting. Oh no, you're fine, dude. I think that it's just interesting, and and I guess I'm thinking about myself in terms of myself of like how clear cut some things can be in in the Bible and like truth and how like we just don't want to deal with it or and if we just want to ignore it. 
I do it a lot. So, hmm. well, AJ, that's I like your mind, man. This is funny. I kind of got an interesting question. If it's funny, I think it's cool. If mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell. I guess we'll take it. So okay. the question, AJ, is this. Oh, First, it's about Mark four thirty eight, which I'll read to you real quick. Okay. But he, Jesus, was in the stern sleeping on the cushion, so they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? This is when the storm came. Okay? Okay. But he was in a stern sleeping on the cushion, so they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? And this sets up this question. Okay. In Mark 4.38, my version says Jesus used a pillow. Do you think he was a soft pillow or a firm pillow kind of guy? I'm a soft pillow kind of guy. What are you guys? I love this. <laughs> this is such an intense moment, and someone, whoever asks this question, is going, "You know what, man? What kind of pillow to use?" I love that. That's so that's so funny, man. I am just a pillow guy in general. I, <laughs> I just I will sleep with whatever pillow I can I can have. Um, <laughs> He's being very real about this. So you know, I am just. Uh, you know, hey, if, if if there's a pillow out there, I'm like, you know what, man, it's a good price. Whatever. I'll, it doesn't matter if it's, it's hard price. or soft, you know. <laughs> That's one thing. Uh, this is probably going to get a lot deeper than it probably needs to be. But, like, when I was growing up as a kid, my parents were divorced, so I switched back and forth every week. So I had different pillows. So, like. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that's interesting. <laughs> and were they different? They were. Wow. Yeah. Different pillows. So, like, it, I can just. style. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I can just sleep with whatever. Um, I guess I'd kind of be the same way, but if I pre- I can't believe we're preference, I'm gonna say I'm a my pillow kind of guy. Hey, shout out! I really do like my pillows. They they are nice. If you get the one, listen, I made a mistake. You actually are supposed to get one based on your size, huh? Like the types, because they have like a like a A B or C or something like that, or yeah. color coordinating. The first time I didn't get the right one, I was like, this is a miserable pillow. <laughs> Second time I got the one for my size, and I was like, this is delightful. That's so crazy. <coughs> and you you throw those things in the in the dryer. And they immediately puff, like, shoot back up to their size. It's a real Dang, thing. man. And yeah. those are supposed to, like, last you for life, right? I guess. I didn't know that. I think they do have a lifetime guarantee. That's wild. Anyway, but if I had to pick, I would probably say, man, that is hard. Mm-hmm. Maybe a firm. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I like, like it, my head. I don't know. I don't know. Because you can have too firm. Yeah, I guess if I had to choose a preference, questions. I'd probably <laughs> go with more of a firm pillow like than, than, a, than a soft one. Clint? I'd, I'd pretty much just take what I get. Um, I wasn't really, like, I had the same pillow my whole life from, like, the age of, like, five till I was very old. So. so was it soft or was it firm? Started off, I think, firm. And then by the end, it was just floppy. <laughs> I, don't, I, I wouldn't I even had, call it soft. I would I call had, it, like, fabric. That's I had pillows like that, too. <laughs> that's hilarious. Awesome. Well, you're up, my good man. All right. Next question. You guys have t- you guys talked about repentance a little while ago and the importance of the believer being willing to repent. What does it look like if the church or its leadership needs to repent but doesn't? Also, the Bible talks about the leader about leadership in the church, uh, pastors, elders, deacons, etc., being held to a higher standard that even just an everyday believe being held to a higher standard than even just an everyday believer. What does that standard look like? Um, so I'm, I'm, this is real talk. So yeah. We tend to be real. This sounds very, very similar to a guy. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's him. Could that, be. That, uh, don't say his name. Honestly, sounds like him that left our church under church discipline. That mm-hmm. was, that was told to 
you know, I can no longer be a part for right now until there's repentance. So if that's you, man, um, I guess you know the answer to this because we've talked privately. But if not, I'm going to assume it's someone else. It does seem very, you know, one of our other elders, kind of passive aggressive as well. Mm -hmm. There's an implication. But maybe not. Either way, we talked about this before. I'm really excited because I think it's a very good question. Yeah. So um, repentance. Repentance is called, is mentioned in the Bible in kind of two separate ways. One, you know, when Christ came onto the scene and preaching the gospel, he says, repent, the kingdom of God is near. Apostle Paul talks about repentance. So there's the repentance of, of a non-believer to become a believer, right? I must acknowledge that I'm a sinner and turn from my sinful ways. And then, you know, it's that moment when we first accept Christ. That's good. But after that, there's also a biblical call for repentance in the life of a believer when we kind of live out of our flesh and, and begin to live as though we're not a believer, right? So yes. we all know that. It's the idea of when we do wrong, we repent of it. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, we don't need to do that repentance to God as a Christian every time. Yes, there should be a change of behavior, but, I mean, you don't sit down. A lot of times when we say repentance, we think it's that begging God to forgive us, right? Mm -hmm. But the act of repentance, when you're a believer, you're already forgiven, okay? You're forgiven of your sins, but that doesn't mean that you've repented every time just because you're forgiven. So repentance has more to do with the action. Uh, An example that's given a lot, and I think it's good, is you're driving down the highway or the freeway, and you go the wrong way. Yeah, we've all done that. Oh, yeah. You have to get off an exit to then go the other way. You've repented in that moment and turned because you recognize you're going the wrong way. There's mm-hmm. an action. Imagine if you're on the road to New York, you want to go to New York, and you end up finding yourself heading towards Texas. Repentance isn't just continuing to drive towards Texas and saying, I might, you know what, I went the wrong way. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, that's, you turn yeah, around. That's good. I like so that. So I wanted to define repentance. And we are told in... Um, in Matthew, from Jesus himself, that we are to, the church is to hold its members, which implies church membership, by the way, because in Paul as well, uh, to a standard that when there is sin, and there is some differences, it's not every time we make a mistake, but true, unrepentant, Mm. hardened, you know, sort of public sin, um, you know, that affects other people. When... uh, a lot of times before we get on to this, people quote, I believe it's Matthew 7 or 8, in which Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. Mm. What they're not understanding is that's not applying to Christians holding each other to accountability. That's not what it's saying. In fact, we're told to judge each other in the sense of, hey, me or you's not following. That's right. He's talking about you know, the idea of uh, thinking you're above things because thinking you're above sin, kind of the idea of, you know, I'm not as bad as you because the truth is we all are bad. That's right. So in Matthew Everybody. 18, I believe it's verses 5 through 20. Top of my head, I'll look. But you'll see it. It, it is very clear. I mean, and this question I did because we looked at it right before, made a few references, scripture references, because it's, it's such an important question. Oh, yeah. So in Matthew, I'm sorry, it wasn't 5. In Matthew 18, 15 through 20, Jesus gives us very specific instructions on how to handle an unrepent or a person in, uh, in sin, right? Yeah. Um, and they won't repent, okay? So if we want to pull that up, I guess I didn't do that. So Matthew 18, I'll pull it up as well, just so we both have 15 through 20, and I'm going to look at at the ESV, even though it's going to be a little (coughs) wordy. (coughs) So this is Jesus. He says in 15, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. So your brother sins, you find something out, you go and tell him. That's right. 
Number two, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Mm -hmm. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, blah, blah, blah. Uh, not blah, 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 but it should be loosed in heaven. So he says, even if I, he refused to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. We talked about this a couple weeks ago because this came up again. A Gentile and a tax collector and us lose, to us lose a little bit of meaning. But what he's essentially saying is a Gentile would have been someone who, who is an un unbeliever, does not even believe in the true God of Israel, our God, right? Mm. That's what they would have known. Um, so you need to treat him like he's not a believer. So they wouldn't let, you're not going to let a Buddhist today, right, join your church. Because no. you don't have the same beliefs. You're not going right. to be a member of that. Yeah, you're not you going to be able to be it. in communion with them and eat of the body of Christ, right? And no. Because they're not believers. So that's one thing. He says, treat them like that. But then he says, also a tax collector. A tax collector to the Jewish people would have been a traitor. Not a, so treat them as both. You would have nothing to do with them. Well, how do we know that? Paul talks about it uh, further on. Um, and da -da 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 -da. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And then Paul talks about, oh, goodness, here we go. Um, in 1 Corinthians... Mm -hmm. uh, chap, you know, five, um, Paul takes Jesus' words seriously and exhorts the, the he, he tells the Corinthian church, hey, you need to put Jesus' uh, words into practice, particularly he says that in, in verse, um, first, in 1 Corinthians 5 and, and on and on and on. Okay. okay. So I'm going to keep going. So that's church, that's what church discipline is. It's this process by which we deal with it. So if you are a, let's say you have been stealing from the church. Okay. And I, I will come to you and I'll say, hey, man, I know you've been stealing money out of the offering bin. You need to stop. If you say, you're right, I'm sorry, man, it's wrong. Okay. I've won you, right? And I'm like, well, how can I help you, man? What, what are you going to do? You know, you would probably say, I don't know. I've, I've been really worried and I don't know um, about money. Yeah. How do we know that you've truly repented? Uh, I'm no longer going to be stealing money. Yeah, it's but you, you're going to, you might say that, right? Yeah, it's an action. And you may, you're probably going to, I'll take you at your word first. So say I come to you again and you do it again. And you say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it again. Mm. At a certain point, we go, okay, man, well, if you're not, if you're willing, if you're truly saying you're not going to do it again, then do you mind if I walk with you whenever you go by the offering bin for a while? That's right. We're, right? The person, you may offer that even. You may say right. you want to prove it. This is real this time, right? That's good. I like that. Yeah, you're going to be the person who who's repenting. So in this case, like me. I would be willing to have somebody come alongside me to help yes. us with whether they whether it's something that I think like, hey, you come with me, or you go, hey, I'll come with you. I go, okay, yes. Yeah, and if you're unwilling to do that, we've already shown your heart. Like, why would you be offended? If you're truly repentant, you're Absolutely. not gonna care about your pride. Yep, you should not be right? full of pride in the in the process of repentance. But let's you say you be. exactly. But let's yeah. say you it shouldn't even be about you. No. Nope. But let's say, for instance, let's go back to the scenario I'll tell you you've been stealing and you say I'm not going to quit, man. You know, it's, it's, it's all uh, something weird. I don't know. It's all our money. Right? <laughs> right. So then I go, well, that's weird. Yep. And I say, are you serious? Yeah. So I might go get Clint. Mm -hmm. And I come and Clint's just there. He's not there to hammer you, but to hear me tell you this and to hear your response. So I say, hey, man, just got Clint. I want to say this again because that's what he tells us to do. Take one or two as witnesses. I say, hey, man, I need you to stop stealing. You need to stop stealing money. It's wrong. God has told us that. And you say, hey, it's all our money. I can take it if I want. I'm not going to stop. Well, now he's heard both of our arguments. You still aren't going to. Then what do I do? Well, technically here it says take it before the church. Now, sometimes there's people that say that's just before leadership. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a big chunk. Sometimes it's literally at a member. You take them before the entire church. Um, 
I believe that that probably is that, and something our church could probably even move towards is, do, is in front of the entire congregation. Yeah. Because, and I'll get to that in a minute, because we do practice this, Matthew 18. So then we take you before the entire church, let's say, or and you say, because we're like, dude, you can't, and you say the same thing. And then everybody's like, dude, that's crazy, that's not true. Right. And then you say, guys, I'm not going to stop, it's my money too. Well, then we all are like, you cannot be with us until you yep. repent. Well, what if you say, okay, I repent now. Okay, we'll believe you, but what if you've done that five times and you keep taking money? Uh, you, is, it, is it rational for the church to just continue to let you go through this process every day? Or would we might we go, okay, if you really mean that, can you know, will you agree to not walk by the offering plate at all for six months? Mm. I don't know. It's making this up, right? right? It's a crazy scenario. Would you be willing to if you meant it? Absolutely. What if you said, well, I've already repented before God and man, and for God, I don't need to do what you tell me to do. That's not really repentance, then. Right. Am I, does this make sense? Mm -hmm. So hopefully you guys see that. That's the, I want to go through the process. Now, it could be anything. Oh, yeah. Um, let's say it's adultery. Mm -hmm. Now, this one's kind of cool. I like to mess with people. So say you know I'm committing adultery, and you're going to come and talk to me. And I say I repent. Okay, you're right. I'm going to quit. Why do you tell the whole church? Mm. People do that, though, right? Certain sins, it's okay. Other ones aren't. But pride isn't on the same scale as, let's say, adultery. Right. But let's use that one. And I say, all right, man, you, you, it's that's true. And say I'm having adultery at, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm committing adultery with someone from the local diner. I don't okay. Know. You, you know it. You say it. And first of all, I say no. Then you're going to go through the process again. But let's say I say, yes, dude, I repent. Mm -hmm. okay? You're going to believe me, right? Yeah. Probably. You should. Absolutely. Since you won your brother. Okay, well, what happens if... You see me at that same diner, and you catch me again. I got to bring someone with me. Now, I'm. this is where things get interesting. If I'm truly fighting, right, because people can screw up and do it again, like mess up in the same sense. That's right. There's a humility in saying, I'm actually, trying, right? Actually, I wouldn't bring someone with me. I'd go to you myself again. Yeah. Because I've already won you the first time. That's good. Now, let's say, though, mm -hmm. that exactly, because now, well, it depends, right? Stay with me. Guys, a lot of this is hard. If someone is saying... They're trying, right? and they are. Then, then we continue to walk with them. That's right. Now, how do we know if, at a certain point, let's make this realistic. Say I've done that again. Mm -hmm. You see me at the diner again. This time, you don't necessarily know. So, that you see me at the diner again, are you going to consider and be worried that I might be? Absolutely. Okay. So you come to me and you're like, dude, listen, this looks like this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how are you going to know whether I'm sincere about this fight? I think if I've told you over and over, I, I have, I'm gonna change, but I aren't. How how are we gonna know if you are working through it? I think you're gonna be open to the idea that maybe I shouldn't be here. Yeah, or whatever you say. Hey, man, you can't go there anymore. Right? Exactly. Exactly right. So now let's go back though. So people don't think this happens, but it does. If someone just says, you know, let's use the adultery. No, I uh, I have repented, and I am not sleeping with her. But you know that I am. But I'm telling you, I'm not because you don't have photo evidence. Right? Maybe you saw me, but I'm saying you that wasn't me, and you know it was. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to go through Matthew 18, take someone else, someone else, yep. someone else. Okay? This is, I know this gets kind of hairy. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because there's a person, and maybe this isn't him, in our church that went through this process, that it's, a, it's one of those things that's a little harder to see. But it's pride, and then at one point, literally, um, it went from doesn't give offering because they believe... Now, listen, you ready? This person mm -hmm. said, I don't need to be held accountable to that. It's between me and God, and mm -hmm. I put it in anonymously. Yep. 
Well, at first we accepted that. Well, then we go in and realize there hasn't been any anonymous money for s- seven months. So we go, right. go, hey, man, which we aren't the type of people that, if you know our church, we don't come after you. We, then we say, you haven't been doing it. It's a biblical principle. Multiple of us. He says, yes, I do. Right? Blah, 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 blah. But I want to give it anonymously. I'm like, well, I think at this point it'd be good for you to put your name on it to show that there's some true repentance that you're giving. Right. Like, no. I don't care. Well, then he's like, I don't care, but my wife doesn't like it. Whatever. So we still bend on that. But yeah. already I'm setting up a scenario. So at first it's that. He doesn't want to be told that. Then it's church attendance. I don't have to be, I've got, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing this. I'm doing, it always has a reason. Always a good reason, right? Right. He's attending two churches and he doesn't come to church. So you're going, okay, man, what's going on? He always has good reasons. Then he um, is prideful and doesn't want to be called out for a sinful issue and ends up bailing and won't literally won't repent because he never takes accountability. And in fact, in this case, you two were in this this person's lack of better words, small group, right? Yeah. So you this specific situation, you know this moment, right? Yeah. It goes up to where he just refuses to repent. That's right. Of this conflict. He says everybody else is wrong, he's not. Then begins to tell not true statements in there that have been proven within the same thread. That's right. So we go and we work and talk. And finally, it just gets to a point. It's like, this guy cannot be, he won't repent. So we say, no. you can't come here anymore, man. Then, oh, then before he even stops, he goes, fine, I'm just going to leave the church. I'm like, that's fine, but you still need to repent before you leave the church, man, because you're not in good standing. God doesn't, it doesn't matter what building you go in, we that's worship right. the same God. He says, in fact, some churches will call the other churches they're going to. We have not gone to that step because yep. they're letting them know, hey, do what you want, but this guy's under church discipline. Um. So, in this specific scenario, right, and if this isn't this guy who asked this, then it's still a good example. That's really hard to kind of see when someone's being prideful, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But you look at a body of work, and then eventually um, you get to it, and the whole congregation, if you were to ask, probably knows that about this. Yes. Well, then what happens is the person leaves and begins to reach out to random members of the congregation mm-hmm. and question, openly question and disparage the elders, the deacons, the pastors, the church leadership mm-hmm. kind of sows division. Well, Paul talks about division too, and he says, warn a divisive person once, then twice, then have nothing more to do with them. Okay, so right there we're getting more of like now he's being divisive. Yep. This person leaves, then he comes back and says, because I that he repents. I actually, we, we meet with him, a bunch of us. He says that way. I make a video after already we've let the church know he's gone. This is what's happening because he's been divisive. Now we got to go kind of protect the yeah. people. Yeah. Tell them the truth. Then we make a video. I stand with him side yep. by side and say, we, we accept this. But the church now, right, he's already done it a few times. We say, if you really mean this. And he's already, when he comes back, he says, but we're leaving this church. I said, okay, I think that's fair. You want, But we want you to prove that you're repentant and for the good of this church so it doesn't look like you left in anger to keep coming for one month straight to show that you're committed to being different, you've changed, and that your leaving has nothing, which, by the way, I still don't even think you had a biblical reason to leave. God's not just going to call you unless he's calling you to a specific church, which mm-hmm. he didn't have. But let, we were okay. We walked that out. He said he agrees, him and his wife, four weeks straight. We He misses, he comes, I think, one week and then mm-hmm. misses the other weeks. We even gave him a pass on, he said, well, I was on vacation. He ends up telling us, like, okay, yeah. I guess that counts. Then he Then he doesn't come again. And we finally reach out to him, yep. and we said, hey, man, you're not keeping... And then he just goes off in the deep end and says, "That's I'm leaving. I already did this. I've already done this. And I'm like, you, know, you see what I'm saying? That Now, remember the story we told you about the person in the adultery. So then they tell you, hey, don't go see this person. They've agreed, and then you see him at that diner every single day after. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, the person might say, I repented before God. 
okay, man, but like you're not, you haven't repented. There's a repentance you owe to your church family to show them you're different. That's what repentance is. That's good. If I say, you ask me not yep. to slap you, right? And I say, I'm not going to slap you, but then I come and slap you every day for two, for six months. And then I say, I'm done slapping you, but because I'm not just going to come over anymore. I'm never going to come to your house again. You still don't really know if I'm not going to slap you or if I just am not coming over and being your friend anymore. Right. You don't. You, that's, Does that that's make a really, sense? Yeah, that's a really good way to put that. Yeah. That's the really truth good. is, you, re- you if I really loved you, I'm going to come to your house a lot still and not slap you. Exactly. Because otherwise, all I'm really saying is, like, I don't want to be your friend anymore because you won't let me slap you. <laughs> right. So the Bible is very, very clear on this. And I could go on on uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 12. I, no, not 12. I don't remember, 15 and maybe 11. I can look it up. Yeah. Give you guys specifics because this is important. Yeah. So chapter, um, man, what is it? It's in Corinthians, church discipline. First Corinthians pull up right here, actually. Um, Okay, first Corinthians 5. That's right, 1 through 13. When, uh, wait, they got a guy who's sleeping with his step stepmom. So yep. Paul, this is after Christ. And Paul says, this is so bad, by the way. This is his stepmom, yep. married to his dad still. Right? Yep. He's sleeping with her, and he goes, this is so bad, even the pagans don't do that. Paul says even the non-believers think that's wrong. The Corinthians apparently had taken the idea of grace so far that they just let this guy stay and continue to do it because they thought that that's what it meant. Like, oh, he can just... And yep. Paul says, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> and then he brings up like a little bad yeast infects all the bread. Mm-hmm. And he says, you can't allow this kind of stuff to just stay here because it's going to affect your entire church. Right. He says, you've talked to the guy, you refuse to repent, you need to cast him out. And he actually says, hand him to Satan. Okay? He says that. Why? Well, I, I'm going to have you guys, I'll pull it up real fast. Okay. Because this, this is crazy. Um, <clears throat> Paul says here, he says, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that's not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, has slept with his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Shouldn't you rather mourn? Let him who have done this be removed from you. He said, shouldn't you actually care like that this is happening? Uh, and that was the ESV. I'm going to read it again. A man is living with his father's wife. So not only that, dude, he's like in a relationship with her. Yeah, that's, it's wild. And you man. are inflated with pride instead of filled with grief so that he who has committed this act might be removed from your congregation. For though I'm absent in body but present in spirit, I've already decided that about the one who has done this thing as though I were present. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus with my, sp- with my, power, my spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus, turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Mm. And then he goes on, they go on and say, your boasting is not good because apparently they're saying, man, we are like the perfect church. He's saying, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast permeates the whole batch of dough? Even if you're all great, you allow this to happen. It's affecting all of you. That's right. Clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new batch. You are indeed unleavened, for Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast, not with old yeast or with the yeast of malice and and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Mm. Um, I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexual moral people. Uh, he goes, I did not mean that moral of the people of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or idolaters. Otherwise, you'd have to leave the world. That's interesting. He's saying, I'm not talking about the people who aren't in Christ. But now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer who's sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, verbally abusive, a drunkard, or swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what business is it mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? We're not going to hold them to a standard that... But God judges outsiders. He's the one that's going to handle justice with those who don't believe. Put away the evil person from among yourselves. Now, let's stay. This is important. 
I love that we were talking about this because that verse gets confusing and can put weight on us. So remember Jesus told us, let's take it all, I want to just use sexual immorality for a yeah. second. What's the difference? Because did Jesus not tell us in Matthew chapter 5, we just preached about this, that if you, you've committed adultery, right? Mm-hmm. You say that's sin to commit adultery, and he says, I tell you that anyone who's even looked at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery, meaning you're sexually immoral, right? You have done wrong. Well, we're all screwed. Pardon me, screwed. We're not getting the kingdom of heaven, right? right. We're not going to. He said, we, none of us associate with each other. Mm-hmm. So does that mean if you've looked at porn this week, and you shouldn't, it's sin, it's wrong, and you should grieve it, but it's say you, you did, that you should not be able to eat with us. No, here's what it's saying, and people don't want to believe this. It would be someone who says, say your sin did come out, mm-hmm. right? You're fighting it. Let's just say it came out that you looked at porn. Right. And you said, it's not wrong. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that can't eat with us because they're, it's, that's different than a saint who's wrestling with his old flesh. That's someone who literally is, is saying, I'm not going to fight this even. Like, I am a sexually immoral person because I don't even think it's wrong. Does that make sense? Yep. So the, what Paul's trying to say is, remember, he'd have to kick out the whole church. Are we going to sit here and believe that the whole church didn't have moments of lust? No. No, absolutely The, the not. thing that made it different about this guy was this guy was living with her blatantly. Oh, yeah. And not, just... So now let's use the adultery thing. The difference between a guy who's like, yeah, I'm going to continue to sleep with this man's wife. Now I'm going to take her and move her and live with her. Yeah, man. That's... And you guys are going to let me come to church because it's not wrong. Does that make sense? So, yep. so we don't we don't deal with this a lot because we think people wouldn't really do that. But what I found with this certain guy, even right, picture a guy. I mean, isn't that what he's doing? He's saying, "I don't have to give." Well, the Bible says that that's not true. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. He goes on and on and on. Right? Money, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, this I know for a fact. This person used the verse that talked about the lady that put the pennies in to justify not giving anything. When that when that story from Jesus is complete opposite. He's actually saying right. the opposite. That woman gave everything she had. That's right. And that rich guy barely gave any, gave anything, even though it was more. So he's twisted that. Then he imagine a guy coming and saying, "Hi, I would like to be in your church, but I don't think I have to listen to the pastors ever. I I can come and go as I please, and I can tell you what's right and wrong because I'm the only one God speaks to." Would you let that person join no, your church? Absolutely not. No, because you already know it's going to cause issues. It's not Christian. It's not just that it's going to cause issues. Is that biblical? What that guy said? No, saying? not at all. So that's what I'm trying to say. Not fired up. That's passion. Yeah. Case. So what I'm saying is, you know, this is a dangerous place. In the 19th century, all the way up till the 19th century, church discipline was practiced in every kind of church. Up to two percent a year of congregation members were excommunicated. Right? Not in the Catholic church. church. And nowadays in the Catholic church, when they say excommunicated, people are like, they're saying that they can't, that they're barred from salvation. Mm. The Protestant churches, we know that not to be true. What we're saying is you're excommunicated from fellowship with us. Mm. And the hope is that you will either repent or someday come to know Christ. That's right. We have to treat you like a tax collector and a Gentile. Why? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he seems to be talking about the exact same situation. Because what he says is, hey, what the, they haven't let this guy back. And apparently he's heard some stories of how miserable the guy is. He's changed. He must <laughs> yeah. have, and he says, hey, the guy's misery is enough. Let him come back before his grief leads him to death almost, like overcomes him. So yeah. there's been a repentance in action. Now bring him home. The goal is never to punish, but to bring about repentance. And, and, and remember I said there's two ways for repentance. One is he's a believer who's just been hard-hearted, and yep. that when he's, quote, handed to Satan out in the world without his membership and fellowship and friends, he will come to realize what he's done mm. and change his ways. That's or right. 
That person was never a believer, and being away from his friends is going to lead to the true repentance of the heart that leads to Christ. Does that make sense? Do you guys think genuinely, and we're talking to you two, and guys out there, guys and gals out there that listen, please post in the comments. Let us know if this made sense, because as far as you intellectually know, like I was able to intellectually explain what we mean. Yeah. Does it make sense, Matthew chapter 5? Does it make sense in repentance? Does it make sense in church discipline, what I said? Absolutely, man. Fun turn? Okay, good. The last thing, now let's move on, because there's a lot to this question. He also mm-hmm. then says, what does it look like if the church or its leadership needs to repent but doesn't? Mm-hmm. And this is why I, I have a feeling it's this guy. Yeah. This guy ended up, when we, we've went above and beyond with this guy, and if it isn't him, it'll still be a good lesson. So this guy we talked about, the one that was pride, didn't come to church, doesn't want to give. <clears throat> when our congregation truly treated him that way, said, we love you, man, we're not going to be friends with you. He's mm-hmm. reached out to all these people. So then, I, we before that happened, we had sent him verses, sermons from other pastors, including Pastor John MacArthur, who is incredibly well-respected, who, who says in his own, he has been in ministry 60-some years, I think, and he said he can count on one hand the number of churches who actually practice Matthew 18 church discipline. So that doesn't mm-hmm. happen, but he does. And he talked about it, their church does. <clears throat> we sent that sermon to him, he didn't, he listened to it, and then he comes back and asks me in front of these elders too, in a thread, he says, "What about? tell me what James chapter, I believe it's 2 or something. Mm-hmm. And essentially it talks about, it was out of context, but it starts by saying, you know, the standard by which pastors, and then talks about the tongue, mm. right, is a danger. And essentially the implication of his question was because I have from the pulpit said that I've had to, that my flesh, my tongue has gotten me in trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I speak, too quick to speak, you know. And he essentially tried to imply. He didn't respond, didn't repent, didn't even give us thoughts on all the stuff we poured to share with him. Yep. And this is the point we kind of were like, okay, we're not into your repentance. He tried to imply that that I shouldn't even be a pastor. He didn't even refer, talk about his stuff at all, using right. a verse that's completely out of context. <clears throat> the reason I'm saying that is in case it's you, man, you're showing your heart right now. You brought up repentance, but you're trying to prove that we have no right, that we're the ones that are the ones doing it. And it's the thing, man. I always tell people, when you go before Christ, you aren't going to be able to say, well, that guy did it too. Nope. You're not going to be able to say, that guy told me not to kill someone, but he's not a Christian, so I shouldn't have to do it. Right? If your implication is I'm not a believer or I'm not a pastor, it doesn't change God's word it doesn't matter if I'm worse than you even. You're still this thing. That's right. <coughs> Excuse me. That's so, really good, man. Um, that, I want to say that. But it says, what does it look like for the church that needs to repent but doesn't? Um, that's a weird question. So the church, the church is all the bodies. What would it mean if they don't? I, this is what makes me think it's you. Because they're all holding you accountable by Matthew 18, they need to repent. What does repentance mean to you? They need to accept you on your terms. That's a, yep. That would be like the guy who was sleeping with his wife in Corinth saying to the church, you guys need to repent because you're not letting me sleep with my stepmom. And yep. Okay? That's what it is. So right. that's a ridiculous statement. But let's go to leadership. That's fair. You have a leadership that doesn't repent. Mm-hmm. Well, did you go to some did you go to the person one-on-one and tell them they need to repent? Yep, just, did you come to me and say, Todd, you need to repent? Man. No, you didn't. But let's say you did. Did you didn't then did you take a witness? No. Then did you um then did you go before Maybe the elders, maybe you want to do that first even. Did you go, then did you ask the elders to come before the church and make your charge? Like, because I know our church would allow that. Mm-hmm. They let you, you want to come to a member meeting and accuse me? Okay. Assuming you've gone through all the steps of Matthew 18. In this case, I know this guy has not. Mm-hmm. 
right? He, I don't even know what he would be talking about if it is him. Right, okay? I have no idea. But either. maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just someone asking. So you still have to go through the steps of Matthew 18. In fact, this is very important. There's another step. You want to talk about elders and stuff. Paul says, and I believe Timothy or Titus, he says, do not even bring an accusation yep. against an elder unless you have two or three witnesses yep. that come from that body. You don't get to go find allies outside of the church. Nope. You see, and Paul's doing that because he knew how humans are. They're going to try to tear the elders down. They're going to do it anytime you don't like what they have to say. Oh, yeah. So it can't even be taken seriously until you've got more. And if you, okay, so now you say, I have three witnesses from the church yep. who think this. Now you get to go through the, like, the Matthew 18 process because you have these witnesses. That's good. Does that make sense? Yep. Well, Todd, that doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense to your American democratic system. Mm-hmm. So he goes on here and says, whoever this is, also the Bible talks about the leadership in church, pastor, elder, deacon, being held to a higher standard than even just an everyday believer. What does that standard look like? Great question. Mm-hmm. So let's look at... <clears throat> this is, is this Timothy? I think it is. Um, so we look here in yep, First uh, Timothy 3 and for Titus 5, 1 and 9. So we'll read First Timothy 3. This is the ESV. It says, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires... He, he word, to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Mm-hmm. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by an outsider so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. By the way, those all make sense rationally, right? You're walking down the street and you see the the pastor drunk, stumbling around. That affects... Right. right? Deacons, let's go to deacons. It says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued. Hmm. Say one thing to your face, another on the other side, right? Yep. Like act one way, say one thing another. Not addicted to much wine. Not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded. Faithful in all things, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, manage their own house. Children and households, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's almost the same standard, except it doesn't mention teaching. Right. Um, so <clears throat> that is a standard. Now, listen, <laughs> I think it's interesting that he says husband of one wife. Does that mean he never has lusted no. in his heart? It does not No, mean in that. fact, it's saying very plainly, you you know, there are, that implies there are people out there that wanted to be overseers that had more than one wife. We know that early on, right, in the church because they were mm-hmm. come from pagan culture. Because why is that important? Well, he wants them to with, uphold the design that God had for marriage. That's right. <clears throat> so go on and on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember what we said about sexually immorality, sexual immorality, and that in the case of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that what made this person quote, sexually immoral versus struggling with it is that they were saying it wasn't wrong, mm. that they were not even implying it was wrong. Does That's that right. There's no acknowledgement of that. So in this case, then, is it actually saying that any that if a guy is, like, for instance, above reproach, mm-hmm. above reproach means essentially living your life in a way that no one could really say much about it because you're living it well. Does that mean there are good men out there? John MacArthur, who's lived a life of just, you know, really holy from a human standard, um, Graham, who died, 
I can't remember the guys. Billy Graham. Billy Graham, yeah. There's still people who say bad things about them because Mm -hmm. human beings are evil. And, like, there are people that claim the name of Christ. So we know that being above reproach doesn't mean no one in this world dislikes you. Right. Right? So it must mean what? If it doesn't mean that, what does it mean? Let's, Let's talk about it. If it doesn't mean that... You literally have lived a life that can't even be challenged at all mm-hmm. by any human being. It what means does it like mean? you have to have the humility to like acknowledge it, when you're wrong. Okay, but remember, it says above reproach. Right. So yeah, we'll keep going. But so then, what must it mean about the standard of being above reproach? That you're not going to be perfect. But. But so let's focus. You must have a desire. Bingo. It has to be someone whose life shows, and I like that you said admit when they're wrong, because someone that's above reproach would do that, that's right? That's right, because you know the importance <coughs> of that. You know the importance of repenting from a sin. Like, Correct. You're showing desire to want to be above reproach. Well, this is going to get kind of deep and ugly, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say this. The husband of one wife. So let's say, does, that, if, is, does every pastor who's ever lusted, now remember, lust says you've committed adultery in your heart. Are they not able to be a pastor now? No. We know that. How do we know that? Well, we put it through five. It would be all humans. But what if they, now let me give you a guy who says, I'm a husband and wife. I look at porn and I don't repent of it, meaning I don't change. Well, then you know that guy is saying, he's not acknowledging that there's a battle in him. He's not acknowledging that he's trying to be better. Does that make sense? Okay, let's keep going. Sober-minded, self-controlled. Does that mean they never have a moment where they snap? No. No, again, you said the key word. Essentially, we have to look at Scripture through the lens of the whole Bible, it means someone who is pursuing that. And you guys, we have friends in this church, men, that we like even. But we know, you. we could say it right now if we brought their name up, they aren't this because they don't even try to be that. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Like, they don't truly pursue that. That's right, yeah. And that's why Paul says, listen, everyone should try. And for another section, I think, let's look at Titus. Yeah. Titus says, this is why I left you in Crete. This is chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Is it, you think this is going to be boring for everyone? Or I don't think so. I think it's very It's pretty important. Yeah. I mean, but I, we'll move on. I'm just trying to fully answer no, this. No, I love this. Because um, I saw Clint go, eh. <clears throat> if you, if you, <clears throat> this is, I guess, guys, listen, I got to assume I'm talking to the other people that listen to our show. Hopefully this is telling you how to even think about the Bible. To think outside of what you've been told is normal within church. That's half the reason nobody does 1 Corinthians 18, because they think if I do that to them, they're going to do it to me because you recognize, for instance, you've had moments of sin. Yep. You know, I think there's fear in it, and I think it's hard because people are going to be mad at you. It's important we know. So the qualifications for elders mentioned in Titus chapter 1, 5 through 9 says, um, I left you in Crete so you might put what remained into order me, the church, and appoint elders in every town as I direct you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and are not open to charges... Now, this is a big one. They're not open to the charges of debauchery and subordination mm. to God. For an overseer's God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may not, so that, I'm sorry, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That's scary, man. It's scary when I read that. Um, <clears throat> but again, it must not be open to the charge of debauchery. Mm. Um, debauchery we all know is hedonism given in this stuff does that mean never has never has moments of you know what's considered debauchery debauchery is typically a lifestyle right when you you won't like if someone gets drunk one time you pro i'm not saying it's okay because we know it's not you're not going to go up that's still sin you're not going to say they're debauch they're just living in debauchery we yeah, don't do no, that that's no 
Debauchery is the person who just lives Willingly, in it all right. the time, doesn't yep. want it, just swims in it, right? Yep, 100%. <clears throat> so, you know, that's I guess that's my answer to your question. Um, <clears throat> what does it mean, the standard? You heard it. The standard is is the pursuit of that, not the pursuit of, of self-justification, mm-hmm. but the acknowledgement that I don't meet the standard and I want to, and, and then steps that, to do that. Exactly. Right? Yes. That's what I believe. Action. Yes. So, you know, to answer your question, you got to go through Matthew 18. And I just told you what the standard looks like. I'm going to go ahead and answer the second part real quick. So okay. we're done with this. You were going to ask it in a minute. How many times does someone need to repent for the church to accept it? Okay. Well, that's a mm-hmm. great question. It's a two part question. We just talked about it. So you guys answered. How many times must a person repent for the church to accept it? <clears throat> I mean, ideally once. Okay. You're because right, because it involves true, change. Right, that would be the true repentance. If you, if you don't change it, you weren't repenting, so it's one time. Okay. Any other thoughts? Uh, Honestly, yes, it should be one time, and you should be do this. But as many times as necessary. Bingo. Mm-hmm. As many times as it takes. So if you're struggling with something, you know, maybe it's pride, and someone comes to you in genuine intent, your friend. Um... You're going to repent, right? You're going to accept it. And if you don't, then you, you know, uh, pride's a hard one because everybody's prideful. But let's say it's the kind of pride like where you literally in front of the congregation, you know, or in front of a bunch of people say, I'm not, this pastor is wrong. I'm never Mm going to change, you know, whatever. It could be that. The other one, the easy ones are the ones that everyone sees, adultery, um, you know, abuse, drunkenness, those kinds of things. But let's say you're a drunk and you're repenting of it. Excuse me. And then it's been 10 times. Excuse me, and you mentioned it. The guy says he quits, and you for a two-year period, you've had to go to him 10 times and say, you're doing it again. you got to keep fighting. Well, first off, you probably shouldn't even have to come to him because when he messes up, he's probably going to come to you and say, hey, man, yeah, I messed up. You know, That's I'm true. sorry. But let's say you do. As long as he keeps trying, fine. But the day he says, hey, man, I've already repented. Quit asking me. You've been bothering me 10 times. And you're like, but, dude, you're still getting drunk. Yep, that's... And, you're, and now, not only are you still getting drunk, now you're saying that you don't want to be bothered anymore, mm. which means that your repentance only went as far as your patience. That's really good, man. Does that make sense at yep, all? Yep, that's really good. So uh, that's what I think. The second part of the question he said is this. Who determines if it's true repentance, God or the church leadership? What do you guys think of that? <clears throat> well, we as church leadership go off the Bible, which is breathe. It's the living word of God. So I think, you know, God determines what it is and then we enforce that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you, uh, God will fully determine if you are repentant. You're right. But a person who is repentant will be, sh- will show themselves in how they act. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Because you will not stay where you were. Exactly. And if you truly sought restoration, even if you didn't necessarily agree with the steps that church leadership said, you would do it. Mm-hmm. Right, unless it what? Unless it contradicted the Bible, like they told you that you had to give them a billion dollars or something weird, right? You know, Some, hundred thousand exactly, dollars, something weird. <clears throat> so I think your question needs to be changed. God determines the heart, ready? But the heart will show in its actions, and it mm-hmm. says this in in uh, you know the book of James, where he says they will, you know fruit. Jesus Himself says that they will know you by your fruit. Mm-hmm. In this case, you're. You know, if you're if you're growing crab apples, you're, you're you know you're in an orchard of apple trees, and mm-hmm. you're growing crab apples, but you're saying they're apples. You're just delusional. Yep. So who's determined if they're apples or not? Is it the church? Did the church 
um, <clears throat> is the church the one saying they're crap, like making it up that they're crab apples? No. Or is the church just acknowledging what they see? Mm. That's right? good, man. So there's a real arrogance here, man, in, in this question a lot of times. And I'm, I am, if it's not that person, I think it's awesome that you're asking. Maybe you're trying to learn. There's an inherent trust in a church, man. Is the, does the fruit show church? <clears throat> I mean, I'm such fruit show church. Does the church show fruit? You know, do you, it sounds to me, if this comes from someone that's in that process, you're trying to justify your sin by pointing out how bad everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Which Jesus, now let's go back to what he said about judging. Now you are going what Jesus said. Whew. So many times, man, I can look back in my life that I was put in, I was put in church discipline before. Mm-hmm. Okay, back in 2013. I did not agree with everything. I was not allowed to come to the church at all, even though I was repentant, because they didn't want to make people mad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, at all. And, nobody, and I repented at step one, pretty much. And it was big. I'm not going to say it. Now, the, you know what? Did I run away from the church? Did I leave? Did I burn the church to the ground? No. Did I have moments where I was hurt and mad? And I even had people later come and say, hey, we could have handled that different. Like, my heart was so broken over my sin, I didn't have enough time or space to be judging them for theirs. Mm. That's really good, man. And, you know. That's convicting. And God's going to take care of you. So quit worrying about that. Quit trying to be right and try to be holy. If you really believe God's behind your repentance, why wouldn't you walk it out? I hope this answers questions on this. We've got to be humble. We've also got to accept out there, guys, and pastors and friends, that there are people that are in your congregation that are not believers, and the only reason they haven't been found out is they have not been fully, like, you don't, we haven't gone through the steps of Matthew 18. And Matthew 18 is both, first and foremost, for the person, I think, to come and know, like I do, out of love, but it's also to protect the church, man. Hmm. That's right. right from that stuff. So I, you know, guys that are listening to the podcast, I'm really sorry. That was probably really long. I love it. But man. I think it's a really great topic. Yes. I really well, do. It's important. It's such a huge <clears throat> topic. You want to know how why we have so many de-churched people, de-churched quotation marks. Yeah. I have to find that for people real quick. People who are hurt by the church or have been thrown out by the church or yeah. things like that. Not people who have been Matthew under 18. Matthew 18. Yeah. Let me make that clear. But people who have literally been attacked. Or All like my things. case, maybe repented and were still told they couldn't exactly. come back. Yeah. People who have repented and have done the steps. Said they're willing to do whatever it takes. And, All huh? that. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. still cast out. Those are the people who are truly repentant. And they've even shown it in their actions. And the church still does that. There are those de-church people out there. You want to know why they're in the place that they are? It's because, one, Todd has mentioned this before, we're scared of wolves in the church. Mm-hmm. And we're already we're throwing everybody out the second they do something wrong, which is... Which yes. is why Matthew 18 exists, and if you Dude. followed it, we wouldn't so throw proud. people out in the Amen. world. Amen. We would not throw real sheep out. Exactly. No, if we you just that's the process. Yep. Because it would only throw the wolves out. Exactly. Right. We don't know their heart. Or sheep that are acting like wolves. <laughs> exactly. We don't. We will never know their heart while we are on earth, but however, if they are repentant and if they want to do right, they will show it in their it's actions. Really, man, it really does cover do all. That. It does cover everything. And then, really guess does. what? You want to know why people don't want to become a part of the church that don't want to come to know Jesus? It's because they're looking at the kingdom. There's a really cool, you should go watch this sermon series with the, with the kingdom, and it's so powerful and do this. Mm-hmm. I had this realization a few days ago where, of, of course, people don't want to come to the kingdom, the kingdom of God. They don't want to come there. They want to stay in this domain of darkness, as Todd has talked about these last few sermons. You want to know why they want to do it? They're looking at the domain of darkness where they can do whatever they want. Exactly. And yeah, they don't feel they don't feel like they're filled up, but... They look over at the kingdom, and guess what? We're biting each other, attacking each other. We look just as miserable as they are. So, of course, why would they want to 
come over there. They, we, we don't look any better. We don't look like we're doing anything. It's because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. And that does not mean mm-hmm. that every church isn't doing that, but there is a large number of people. And, and guess what? Here's the other secret. It's not the church. The church is still built on a firm foundation. Amen. It's built Christ. on the sacrifice of yeah. Jesus Christ. It's built off of the foundation that was also laid after Jesus Christ's death by Peter. It's built on that. It's leaders of the church who have strayed away and have mm-hmm. decided to go do crazy things. And that doesn't mean every single leader, but there are leaders out there. And if you hear this and you're convicted, guess what? That's you. It's never too late. Mm. But it's time to take responsibility <clears throat> and turn around and start doing the right thing. That's right, Because man. otherwise, you're leading people straight to death. Mm. And that's why it's so important and why pastors and elders are to be treated with such respect because of the weight and the responsibility and everything that is put on them. And if you don't understand that, then maybe you should spend some time with God in your Bible because there is there's so much that is put on them. And that is why we are to take multiple people with, them, with us when we go have a charge against an elder because they are living their life in a way. They've proven themselves to be living their lives in That's a way good, as an man. elder. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and the truth is, <clears throat> that's a great point, Clint. And I'm glad you said that. And I love it. Yeah, that you was said. really good. I will. I will close with this because I do want to answer that question. Let's suggest that you have a pastor. Mm-hmm. It's possible who is unrepentant. Okay, and he is. Uh, you know, some of this is going to trust faith in have faith in God. Um, first and foremost, you need to make sure that you're not doing it just out of a, a, a personal vendetta. There are pastors out there that I don't like, but I but I would never bring a charge against them because I think that they are that they are believers and men of God. It's good. I don't like them as people because their sinful nature rubs against mine, right? But I can respect them even. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't bring a charge against them, and that's serious, man. And that's the other thing, real quick. You better be careful. That's another, and this is the reason I don't. Okay, so no, don't use me like I'm defending myself. I'm saying how I actually view things. I've come to a place, the reason I find it, and I very rarely will criticize an actual pastor. I might criticize a teaching. Mm-hmm. The reason is, and if I don't know, I have to assume that man has been appointed by God. And so for me to do that is very dangerous to me because I'm like, hey, man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of like when people kept, God said David is the new is going to be king and everybody acted like he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then we saw what happened. <clears throat> um, and it wasn't just Saul that did that. Other people didn't recognize David's authority and ended up having consequences. And this is before he was even crowned, right? When he was running around away from Saul, mm-hmm. he would stop at like the, that one farm and the guy was like traitorous, right? Because he didn't recognize it. So it's hard. You, you better be careful and you need to make sure that it's a biblical reason. But let's say that happens. They've messed, you know. And let's say it's something where, you know, I would still go to the person first. If you're a believer, if the, if the world does it and just kind of throws it out there for the world, that's, that's going to happen. It sucks. But if you're a believer and you think a pastor, even if you don't go to that church, has sinned or you know it, go to them first. Why would you not? If they don't respond in humility, right, first of all, you should, you know, then look on their website or call and ask to speak to an elder that's not yeah. the pastor. For, us, for instance, on our website, there it's there. But you know what happened in our church? If it is this person, this person says, well, I've heard this numerous times. Well, he's brainwashed the elders. And I'm some sort of... <clears throat> if it were that powerful, and not only that, but I've, I've yeah. brainwashed all of you, you know, and here's the thing, but let's say you do that, you go to the elder, and now there's nothing, one elder, and nothing's mm-hmm. done, well, how do you know nothing's done, you know, I was asked this before about me in my past, well, you know, how do we, blah, 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 you weren't, this. how do you know that 
the process of Matthew 18 wasn't worked out in my life just because you didn't see it. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that the only time that everybody would see it is if it got to the point where it had to go before the whole church. That's right. So you don't if it hasn't, to. you don't know what repentance has come and what, yep. what steps have had to happen. In fact, this has happened to me over things that aren't as big as the world says, but like sometimes we know, okay, Todd, like you got to do this for a little while or you got to, you know, that's the way it is, man. No yep. one's above that. And, and I try to practice it that when I wrong someone or you, that mm-hmm. we are humble and admit that. Absolutely, man. I, I All of us. If I've, you know, part of my journey that you guys have been let in on a little bit is like that, you know, I'm kind of in a spot like that right now, like where I, I have to be willing to go, okay, Jay, like you, you have to be open to the idea of this is what you are. This is what you've done. Mm-hmm. And like you, and I have to be willing to be, I have to be open to that. If I'm not, then I'm just, you know, I'm I'm just like any other person who I'm like the person who we're talking about, mm. who walked away from all this, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be that. So you're right. Like we have to be open to that. Well, I mean, we also have to remember something very key. Matthew 18 is never to attack. It's, it's not good. to attack. It's really good, man. That's it right. It's never. It's not it's even never, to punish. It's not even to punish. It isn't. It isn't. You know, the funny thing, we forget the heart of God. We forget the heart of Jesus in these moments. Because the truth is, it's not for that. What it's yep. for is restoration. That's right, man. It's always been that. It's always been, hey, one, if they prove themselves to be a non-believer, well, guess what? This becomes a whole different ballgame then. Because now we have to love them where they're at. And they, they again, perfectly seen and, and with Paul and all of that, loving that person, bringing them back, showing them Christ, showing these these things. But also there's the other side of it that if they're a wolf, now they are gone. And mm-hmm. still, it is with the hope that they will come back. Absolutely, yeah. Hand them to Satan, and hope that they will that they will be restored. Absolutely, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's good, man. Because otherwise, you're just letting them stay in this false reality. Especially if they prove themselves to be a non-believer, you're letting them stay in this reality, this false reality that they are a believer. And what if they aren't? Mm-hmm. They will be one of those that walk before Jesus, and He goes, "Hey, look what I did! Look what I did!" Yep. Jesus will be like, I didn't, I never knew you. Yep. And that is, we don't want that to happen because that leads to true and permanent death. We don't want somebody to live in that. And it will also teach believers that are struggling through this. It'll be the not only just the wake-up call, but also the thing to help them grow mm. and push through this and go, no, I, I know what I've done. And then it will help them go just grow and be mm. better. That's good, man. I agree. It's good. All right. Well, hey, that was uh, it's good, good stuff, episode, man. man. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like I, I don't know, man. I know I feel like I'm always learning. You know, it's funny. You, there's always more to learn, even if you feel like you've heard something so much. There's always more to learn. So I feel like I've learned stuff today because you know those earmuffs are real, man. You got to take them off. So anybody listening, make sure you take them off when you're listening to this because it's it's true. So. Um. Yeah, and listen, guys, I, I don't think, um, in case it comes across that way, those that are listening, uh, I don't think I'm perfect. I don't think I'm an authority on, uh, you know, I'm not the greatest theologian in the world. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm just not. I know that I am truly, and I mean this, and I'm saying it for a reason. Uh, I am a sinner, man, who is just saved by God's grace. And uh, I have failed many, many times, and I've had moments and, and times in my life where I had an unre- unrepentant spirit, and I had to... You know, and I'm, I'm constantly on guard against that. And even the things I said, I'm passionate about it because, you know, you can't throw the baby with the bathwater out. 
Like we, you know, when we mess up this idea of church discipline, either way, we create a situation where we either throw sheep out, and that's the thing that hurts me the most, right? Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, we we just let wolves eat our eat our people. So I, I hope we didn't come across that way. I hope it was informative. I encourage you to go read those sections yourself. Oh, yeah. uh, and you know, Matthew chapter eighteen, First um, Timothy. What did I say? First Tim. It's in. I think there. it was three. Yeah, go back and look, and then First Tim. I'm sorry, Titus one. And it talks about that. And then, you know, uh, those are great questions to ask, though, because we do live in a world where people, unfortunately, and, and the Bible talks about this, false prophets are not leaders or pastors or elders who fail. And mm-hmm. so we're too quick to throw that around. False prophets and are those who intentionally choose to teach things that are incorrect. And they might even think even and don't have a desire to, to redirect or recorrect mm-hmm. themselves. So... That's good, man. Love you guys. God loves you. God, don't live in fear. You shouldn't live in fear that if I share my sin, I'm going to be excommunicated. That's You see how much God loves us that he makes it. It takes a lot before someone's, and, and so many times in the church, because I get afraid for the guy out there who maybe has committed adultery. It is, right? And he doesn't want to share it because he, if even if he comes and repents to you, you didn't even know when he comes to you, you're going to throw it out for everyone to see. You're going, you being us as Christians, we're going to throw him out of the church. We're going to do it in what we call love. Like we're going to church discipline, which means remove him from everything. And I just mm-hmm. don't see that. That's the other side of it. So anyway, hopefully you guys see our hearts passionate about it, not to defend ourselves even, but it's important to know what it says, man, That's because right. it is beautiful. So That's good, man. Anything you got? Well, anything you got, my friend? Well, just love you guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, you know, if you're watching from Facebook, make sure you share it, leave a comment, uh, ask a question. You know, or if you feel uncomfortable, use our anonymous link, www.theremnant.life slash real-talk. If you're watching from YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell so you can be notified every time that we post. And if you're watching from Rumble, go ahead and give us a rumble. That's it. You good? I'll, I'll do my little spiel. If you're listening to it on, on any podcast app that you can, leave us a review. Please do give us a five-star review. It really helps us on the business end of things. Please give us something. Say something nice down below. And uh, if you're not going to say something nice and not going to leave a nice review, well, do what your mama told you and keep it to yourself. Uh, we've, we've enjoyed having you around, but if you don't agree, we'll probably be the only podcast on the block that will tell you goodbye. You're good to go down the road. And we, we want you to ask questions, but if you're going to be Just a be- jerk and not want to be well i guess actually we kind of welcome you too because then we get to have no i mean i guess on the the surface i guess like yeah man if you you're we're not yeah i I guess what he's saying even at first i'm like what he's essentially saying is hey you know it's real talk we're gonna tell you we believe you're welcome to this table Mm -hmm. um yeah you know as long as you're if you're trying to burn us down i guess i I don't know go find some people out there i'll tell you what you want to hear yeah that's fair and we're open to dialogue if it's respectful and true too that's right yeah we really are whether that's in the the actual public comments or whether it's in the anonymous like yeah and and, and even though i kind of tease if it is at least you know he asked and if it's not that person those questions aren't wrong no Mm -hmm. right um what clint's talking about is just that idea of like hey if you don't agree with what i agree with i'm gonna burn you to the ground and we're just like hey yeah yeah don't burn us to the ground just well you're not gonna be able to so just don't do it exactly if you want to sit down and have a disagreement we're all about it if you want to burn everything to the ground for craziness and not have a discussion well it was nice knowing you i hope you have a great day um but yeah 
please yeah. leave something down there in the written review. Uh, where it can even be like you like PBJ sandwiches. I truly do. I like them too, so we can <laughs> bond over that. Um, just leave a review. I had yeah. four last night. Mm. <laughs> I said that. Yeah. Hey guys. Hey, I know we kind of got heated and excited. Uh, those that don't know me well, these guys know. It's just I love to talk about this stuff. Oh yeah. And I even love to think. So if it if it rambled, I am sorry. That's my mind. And um, you know, it wasn't. I didn't mean to take most of the show. It's good but stuff. I'm just asking, and, and I love to thank you guys for putting up with my rambling. And uh, those out there, thank you for a- asking the questions. Even the person, genuinely, I mean this. If you ask that question, it's still cool that you came on the show and you asked the question and gave a chance for us to respond. And Absolutely. If, even if it came from a bad place, right? Bad meaning like you're kind of accusing us. But if you came, man, what a humble thing to do. So thank you for that. And uh, I hope you guys have a great day. God does love you so much, man. God never, never, never. His goal is to never cast you out. It's to always for, for you to come home. Uh, the Bible's filled with those stories. So we hope you guys have a great day, and uh, we mean this. God bless you. Yeah.